Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What is up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy. Excited to be with you again today on another fun podcast episode. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for giving us a listen. Thanks for giving us a subscribe uh, or leaving comments or whatever you do. You do all the things. So thanks for doing it. You know, appreciate it. Uh, I Today, to bring on Patrick Sweet, he is running an incredible project. It's at engineeringandleadership.com. He's calling it the Engineering and Leadership Project. And uh, he's teaching everything about becoming a leader in this space. Um, many times we hear that engineers don't make good leaders. And so we, we do talk about this and why anybody can really can make a good leader. Oftentimes it's just, we need to slow down a little bit. So uh, we have a fun conversation about leadership in general. Uh, Pat is awesome. You know, he's worked in this industry for 13 plus years as a, as a systems engineer, working on automation on a lot of cool stuff from trains to uh, naval defense and uh, really smart guy, really fun guy to talk to. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation I have with him about everything dealing with engineering and leadership. So if you've ever had a desire to become a leader or uh, you had questions about becoming a leader, there's going to be some good stuff for you here. Many engineers, when they get into the industry, um, some people are really aggressive and want to jump into leadership really quickly. Um, and so we, we do talk about that. And maybe uh, it's probably a better idea to go slowly and to learn your skills first before you jump into management. But all of that stuff is kind of detailed in what we talk about. So anyway, fun episode with Pat. It's coming up right up after this. See you in a minute. All right, Patrick, thanks for jumping on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I appreciate you uh, joining me today. Likewise, super excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great. So uh, I always love to to hear people's own journeys into civil engineering, how you got here and figure out what you're doing. But um, maybe in your own words, it would be nice to hear um, how you found yourself. What was your journey into civil engineering? What was that like for you? So I, I should I should pause here because I, I'm not actually a civil engineer. Oh, I mean, yeah. engineering. Let's back up. <laughs> Let's get rid of civil. Let's get yeah. engineer. <laughs> so I, engineering. Yeah. Um, so I probably like like most people. Um, math and physics were my favorite subjects in high school. It seemed like a natural fit. My dad is a, a computer scientist, um, so kind, mm. kind of kind of exposed to that world from the get go. Had relatives who were engineers, and and you know it seemed the natural the natural choice. Uh, so went to engineering school, did electrical engineering uh, here at the school Dalhousie University here in Halifax, and and started my career in building and facilities design. So certainly rubbing shoulders with civil engineers and engineers of other disciplines. Um, but eventually, eventually got into what's called systems engineering, which mm -hmm. is a, a totally, uh, a totally different discipline. And what systems engineers care about is, is the, um, it's kind of like the level of engineering that has to happen in, in mega projects before the detailed design stuff can start. So, mm -hmm. 
uh, my introduction to that was in the world of rail. I ended up being a, a chief engineer and product manager uh, for a company designing driverless autonomous rail systems. Wow. Really, really cool stuff. The, the train would pull up to the station, doors open automatically, people got, get on, doors close automatically, and it drives itself to the next station. Really, really like cool it. stuff. Um, but as you could imagine, these are phenomenally complex systems, uh, safety critical. You've mm-hmm. got to be very, very careful about um, you know, routing trains, automatic train control. So phenomenally complex. And, and it was through that experience that I got into systems engineering, thinking through, okay, this train, this system as a whole, we can make it do anything. So mm-hmm. what are the right things to have it do? What are this system's requirements? How are we going to make sure that at the end of the day, instead of just having a bunch of train parts, we have an integrated working safe train? Uh, so that, that's what systems engineering is all about. Um, wow. and then I took those skills into the defense industry, um, and, and got into the world of shipbuilding and the same fundamental problem. When you have the time and the money and the, the smarts, you can, you can make a ship do anything, right? It, these are world-class, phenomenally complex, phenomenally advanced systems. The question gets to be more about, okay, what's the right thing to do? And then what's the smartest way to achieve those goals and and allow the ship to um, execute the missions that it's going to go on? Uh, so very, very cool stuff. Um, you bring up a, a point that's been bouncing around in my head. And um, who sets who sets those goals? Who sets those values? Who tells it what when a train to stop and not to stop <laughs> you know like, yes. uh who teaches it like values and ethics like uh, i know that comes from the creators but who you know who sets those rules yeah it's it's really really it, it's a great question and um you know o- over the course of generations of of designing trains in the in the, the train building and the shipbuilding world you're you're pretty lucky because there's a long long history of both Right. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a, a great deal of um, not just institutional knowledge within large organizations, but but knowledge within the industry. Um, so there are standards that get set that everyone knows about and everyone respects. Um, but also the, there are kind of uh, tools of the trade to understand things like, for example, the um, uh, the adhesion values between a steel rail and a steel wheel and what happens when it's raining right and what happens when it's snowing and and there's all this there's all this uh knowledge stored up that helps us understand how a train is going to behave in certain situations and what you need to do in order to keep it safe and in the world of automatic train control, th- these systems are phenomenally safe. Hmm. And if you look at the history of uh, the company that, that I worked for, um, uh, accidents that happen on systems like that, 99 times out of 100, maybe 999 times out of 1,000, it occurs when a person is in charge of the train as opposed to the automatic train control. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry for that tangent. I just was no, that's uh, great. Started talking that's about great. that. I'm like, hmm, who's setting that up? Uh, so, uh, Pat, why don't you tell us more about what you do today um, and how that's going for you? So what are we doing now? What we're doing now, uh, I just launched a company called the Engineering and Leadership Project. And 
the reason I, I launched this business is I recognize through my own experience as a product manager, a people manager, um, a project manager, that these skills are critical in terms of having an engineering team succeed, having a really strong manager, a really strong leader to work with and work for uh, makes all the difference in the world in terms of the success of the work, in terms of work-life balance, in terms of engagement. The problem though, is that most engineers, when they get promoted into management or, or pushed into a leadership role, really aren't supported the way they need to be. If they're really, really lucky, they get a, a half-day seminar from HR on, you know, here, here's leadership. <laughs> and the problem that. is that these are, these are fundamentally different jobs. And if Joe is the best engineer on the team and Joe gets promoted to management, well, why is it that we expect Joe to be a good manager now? It's not it's really fair. And it doesn't make sense. We, we would never take a great manager who doesn't have an engineering background and say, well, you're a great manager. What? Let's put you in engineering. Right. <laughs> it right. doesn't make any sense. These are, these are two fundamentally different jobs. And my mission is to equip engineers who, by the way, I think have the potential to be phenomenal managers and phenomenal leaders and equip them with the, the, the tools, the skills, the mindset to thrive in that role. So it's not just someone being thrown in the deep end and, and being asked to swim. That's the whole the whole mission of the project here. There's almost a stigma out there that uh, engineers don't make great managers. I've heard that many, many times. And I'm curious your thoughts around that. Why, why is that kind of the saying that yeah. you hear in the industry? I, I think I think there's a there's an assumption mm -hmm. that a certain kind of person is is best suited to be a leader or a manager. And, and you think of extroverted life of the party, talk yes. to anyone, <laughs> baby kissing person. politician <laughs> type <laughs> people. And, and the truth is your, your personality and your disposition really don't have a lot to do with your success as a leader. Hmm. Success as a leader comes down to having the right mindset and having the right skill set. And, Anyone can learn that. And if you look at engineers who, you know, work real hard to get through university, work real hard in their careers, are really interested in doing good work and learning and growing, th those are all things that translate super well to becoming really good leaders. And there are really good examples of, of more reserved, more introverted people becoming great leaders. Mm. And the reason for that is these are people who tend more naturally to connect one-on-one -on -one with people, right? Got it's it. easier at times for an introvert to really sit and engage one-on-one -on -one with their staff, make their staff feel heard and appreciated and valued and understood. And that's something that at times is hard for extroverted people, right? Right. So uh, yeah, I, I, and, and honestly, if people listening to this could walk away from the conversation with any one particular um, lesson learned or takeaway. It's that I, I really do believe that anyone has the ability to become a leader or a manager. It, it's really just a matter of of figuring out what the skills are and then and then practicing. That's great, great advice. Um, ha, I mean, this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but there, have there been resources um, that have helped you learn this? The something that that was top of mind that 
helped you learn these skills or do you feel like um, you personally, do you feel like maybe you were gifted with uh, additional things that have helped you become a leader or how did you go about learning some of the skills in your own life? Yeah, gosh, it's a good question. And honestly, I I did get uh, a bit of a lucky start through sport. You know, when I was a kid, I I, I played every sport. I, I was a hockey, soccer, basketball, you name it, I, I played it. And that was a really good opportunity to practice leadership skills and grow as a leader. And, you know, from there, I got into things like student council and went to leadership camp and, mm-hmm. and all those and all those things, which in high school is maybe a bit nerdy, but but it certainly served me wow, uh, as, as I've grown. Um, but I didn't stop there. And there's a there's a, a really, uh, a really great quote from uh, Harry Truman, who says, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Mm. And one of the things that I found myself blessed with is a super long commute. Uh, when <laughs> when I first graduated, um, I, I'm from the east coast of Canada, where a long commute is, is 10 minutes. Um, ah. But my wife and I moved to Ontario so that she could she could pursue her her uh, uh, medical education. And in Ontario, a regular commute is an hour or more. So ah. all of a sudden, I had all the time in the world to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, you name it. And I really had this opportunity to dig into uh, the, this vast body of knowledge in leadership with management. And I started listening to authors like John Maxwell and Jim Collins and, and mm-hmm. hearing this stuff really, it just rocked my world That's on top great. of, on top of being a, with an employer at the time who really valued leadership development in their technical staff. And I had no idea how rare that was. I had no idea how, lucky I was to to kind of end up in this environment. I, I, I just thought it was normal. I thought that's what yeah. the working world was like. Turns out it's not. Uh, so <laughs> so to have that reinforced from mm-hmm. nine to five, <laughs> then, then have it bookended with podcast time and audiobook time, I, I really learned a lot for sure. That's great. Yeah. yeah um, you know, I feel like most employee companies uh, don't support management in that way where they're getting additional training or at least making a point where they're sending their managers to something you know a lot of times it's just a company corporate get together maybe they're going over financials or whatever it is but sometimes managers don't even understand those financials either so there's i just think there's so much training um and support that could happen to really get managers on board with being i mean up leveling up their skills um one of the big things i mean the number one reason why people leave a job right now is because their manager like who's directly managing them uh how how can managers gain that self-reflection that they might be the problem and what can they do about it yeah it's a great question and i'm sure everyone listening has heard the term the the great resignation oh it's come up quite a bit lately and and it's true it's true people more often than not when they they leave a job they're, they're actually they're leaving their manager as opposed to leaving the role. Most engineers mm-hmm. love engineering. That's why they got into it. And um, when engagement is is lacking, when performance is lacking, you can often trace it back to uh, the, the, the manager, frankly. Um, so one of the things I would suggest, and, and I, I realize this comes across as a bit blunt, but if you want to know how you're doing, you have to ask. And there's a couple different ways you can approach that. You can do um, what's called a 360-degree review, which is mm-hmm. an anonymous uh, request for feedback from your management, your peers, and your staff. 
And you can learn an awful lot from that. And, and there are there are dozens of tools out there to to help facilitate that and make that uh, make that that whole process uh, pretty seamless. The other thing you can do is you can hire a coach, right? There are coaches out there whose whose job it is not to understand what it's like to be an engineer or an engineering manager, but who are there to facilitate self-reflection, to hold you accountable, to really ask yourself and, and honestly answer, how are things going? Have I met my goals? Do I, do I even have goals in the first place? And to really bring you along that path. Um, you know, you, the, the other well, thing, sorry, go for it. Oh, sorry to bug you uh, or jump in. Um, my my other thought is like, how should these managers interpret those results? Because it feels like if I'm going to go ask for feedback, I'm probably going to get pummeled with some stuff I might not like, might might make me feel a little bad about how I'm doing. What should be the mindset? I guess if you're going to ask for feedback, what should what should maybe be the mindset of that manager in receiving it? Yeah, I think ultimately. If you can approach receiving feedback with a mindset of, you know, I have room to grow and right. I don't care who you are. Brene Brown would tell you, I have room to grow, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? World-class leadership experts who've been doing this for decades at the highest level still sharpen the saw, right? They're still that. perfecting their craft. They're still working to get better. And if you can go into it looking for the opportunity to get better, uh, th then it doesn't sting so much. What stings often is being surprised when you you hear something that you you didn't know about yourself or you disagree with. Um, but what that should be a sign when something stings, when something kind of smacks you in the side of the head. And you're, what what are they talking about? You become defensive. It's easy to become defensive. It's super mm -hmm. easy to become defensive, and let that be a sign to you. You know, that, that's, where you, that's where you call time out. You say, okay, why do I feel this way? Is it that I'm afraid it's true? Is it that I don't understand it? Is it, what, what is it, right? That's a sign you need to dig into that, lean into that. I like it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going back to this great recession, um, many companies are losing engineers. Um, it's not, originally, you know, it was like the service industry, but it seems like it's affected um, all aspects in every area of engineering as well. Um, what what do you think companies can do to try to to stem that to to slow the to slow this great migration of people to different areas or quitting altogether? Um, are there some things additional perks? Is it just because they want to work remote? What are what are your thoughts around trying to stem that for businesses? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and it's it's an important question uh, always. <laughs> you, yeah, always. You don't want to lose about, your people. Yeah, that's right. But but now especially, you're you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I've learned, and um, my my colleague um, Anthony Fasano uh, mm -hmm. has 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 done some work in this as well. What's most important to people? You, you you might be surprised. It's not it's not actually salary. Yes, you need to pay a competitive salary. And yes, going a little bit above market, of course, that's going to attract people for sure. Mm -hmm. But that only takes you so far. What is most important to most engineers is understanding what performing well looks like, right? What are, what are my goals as an engineer? What is it that you expect of me? And clarity around role and clarity around progression, 
is super, super important and something that I think that a lot of companies don't do very well. Um, you know, if you are in a role and you don't understand what, what it means to take the next step and you don't understand what it means to do great work, all you're faced with is, is this constant onslaught of more work, keep going, more work, keep going. And, right. and people get sucked into, okay, well, maybe I need to work overtime. Maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to, you know, which just leads to, to burnout. If organizations sense. can facilitate a person's growth, right, and see themselves as a partner along someone's career and help them grow and help them go broader or deeper or, or whatever it is that, that makes a person tick, then you'll find people are engaged. Then people will see this company is invested in my success. And then it, it gets to be much easier for an individual to invest in the organization's success. I think the more we look at the employer-employee relationship as a partnership, the easier it'll be to retain people. Yeah. I've also noticed um, just personally that um, when management or others above you express their gratitude and are thankful for the work that you have done, instead of just slapping another project on your desk, you know, maybe some, a little bit of recognition doesn't need to be much, but just to let people know that you're valued and we care about what you're doing, that that goes a long ways, I feel like. In Big time. Letting people know like, hey, you know, we appreciate what you're doing for us. And, um, you know, here's a pat on the back for stuff. So, yeah, I am um, in, in my last role. One of the things that I did, we, we had monthly all hands meetings uh, that I held for my team. And at every meeting, I led the meeting with mm -hmm. uh, a series of kudos, you know, who had work anniversaries, who had birthdays, who did a great job on a particular project, who went above and beyond for a colleague. It took me 15 minutes to, right. to scan my emails and remind myself, right, this so-and-so did this. It was, you know, this person's 30th anniversary at the, uh, at the company that that's a big deal. And then to Ooh. make a slide, right. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take any effort, frankly, but to recognize people first of all, and then recognize them in front of their peers, uh, it can go a very long way. I got phenomenal feedback from that. I love it's, it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how a small effort, can can go a very very long way. That's great. You've shared a ton of advice with people. I'm curious, you know, if you, if you went back to a graduate engineer just starting their career, um, would there be some pieces of advice you would give them um, as they're trying to fill their way through a company, figuring out what they like, dislike? Do I want to be a manager? Do I want to be a principal engineer? Like how? What advice or tips would you give for a guy just starting out in this industry or being an engineer? Yeah, I, I would say don't rush. You know, allow yourself to be the graduate engineer that you are. Because if you are too quick to push into leadership and management, and, and let me tell you, if you, if you do push and you, you do bring your A game and you are, you know, even part ways intelligent, <laughs> um, that will get recognized and, and, and you will find yourself into, in, into leadership and management and even team lead roles relatively early. And, and that's great and everything. But the problem is once you start down that path, it's hard to double back. And if you don't mm -hmm. have a really, really strong technical footing, it will be very difficult, A, to go back, B, to, uh, to be a good leader and a good manager. Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't think you need to be the smartest person in the room. I don't think you need to be the best engineer in the room to be a great manager. Um, but I do think you need to be good. You need to be at least highly competent technically. And, and early in your career is the time to double down on that and really invest in your technical knowledge. Um, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, I see a lot of people who, who come to me because they want to get into leadership or project management or people management. And that's great. And you can start that journey, but don't, don't rush it. And they've been in their career for a year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like I, I appreciate that ambition. I do. But oh, I, I think they'll get recognized for it, too. And like you said, I think they will get plugged into a spot. Um, I've always appreciated a manager that I could go to and ask questions to that would have some good feedback. And I, and I think, like you're saying, if they don't have the experience or the footing, the technical knowledge, it's hard to want to approach your manager when you know um, you might not get a good, an answer at all, or maybe they might send you somewhere else. I don't know, which might be fine. But in my mind, like I want my manager to be someone I could maybe ping some things off of and, and ask questions and get yeah. answers. A manager's job is not necessarily to have the answers to all questions. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay as a manager not to know, even for a technical question. But what you do have to be able to do is is chart a path toward getting an answer whether yeah. that's through someone else or, or you doing a little bit of homework you you need at least that framework that context to understand the question and why it's an important question or 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 whether or not it it it's the right question to be answering is like probably the, the more the more important <laughs> skill um but but yeah you, you do need you do need a certain baseline and early in your career is the the time to develop that Great. Um, with with your website and everything you've been moving forward on on leadership and coaching, has there been any common themes that you have seen as you've started this journey? Um, any particular maybe top three topics that you seem to hammer on a lot? I mean, is that um, are there some some themes around what you've been doing? Yeah, that is, so it's a really really good question, and I, I think. Uh, one of the themes that comes to mind right away is people feel a a lack of control in terms of the, the the pace of work, the number of things that are being thrown at them, the number of projects they're on, the number of teams they support. There's there's this common sense that <clears throat> uh, it, it, it's hard to balance it all, if not impossible, let alone being a good spouse or parent or friend or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um that that's one major problem I think uh, throughout throughout our profession is is just that people feel overwhelmed and and feel burnt out, particularly in the ranks of management. One of the other themes that that comes up is this this difficulty with letting go, especially in that transition into leadership and management roles, because like we we talked about, often it's really bright engineers, really bright technical minds that move into management. Yes. So doing the engineering is all you've ever known. So it's very yep. difficult to let go and let now <laughs> the junior engineer that we were just saying needs to develop those technical skills. It's very hard to let work go and let them do it because they're going to mess it up because they're right. going to take forever because they don't know what's going on. And they're going to ask me a thousand questions. So I'm just going to do it. And it's this it's this self perpetuating cycle. These two problems. Right. The first one where the manager is overwhelmed. The second one where I don't want to let anyone else do the work. 
it, leaders do it to themselves without realizing it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that in my own industry. I, I work in the transmission engineering industry, which is the utility world. And I have seen where engineers rise up to be managers, directors, and they are still so heavily involved in the design aspects that um, they don't become managers anymore. They're still the go-to source for the final say on the engineering, which, Mm -hmm. you know, might be okay. But um, I feel like when you get to a management level, there's some things that probably, like you said, should, should, you should let go, let the engineers run with decisions that, you know, may or may not be great decisions. And maybe you can step in as a manager and say, well, I don't think about doing it this way, but to make all the decisions might, um, I, I can see definitely burn you out quickly. If you're managing people plus managing projects, um, that probably doesn't get you very far in the long run without burning out. Yeah. So. Big time, big time. But it, at the same time, it's hard to blame new managers oh, yeah. and leaders because they, they've probably not learned how to delegate or when to delegate. They've probably not learned that it's okay to let little bad things happen mm-hmm. for the sake of someone's development and to put checks and balances in place to, to catch those little bad things. Again, it, it comes those back are to skills you got to learn. Absolutely. That's why Pat's absolutely. doing this. That's, it's exactly why I'm doing this it, because it, people aren't taught. And they're not provided feedback and, and you're left to the school of hard knocks <laughs> and, that like is, and that, and that's pretty miserable for, for a pretty long time. Well, uh, Pat, I have another question for you. How has, this is just kind of a fun question, but how has engineering helped you appreciate what you have in your life? Yeah, that's a good one. It, engineering's helped me appreciate just how complex and interconnected the world is. And you know, I had I, I had this moment here the other day where uh, my my wife uh, needed an an orange. Okay, so so I live in the east coast of Canada. Oranges do not grow <laughs> in Nova Scotia, <laughs> and it was a blizzard. Uh, so I, you know, I, I trudged my way to the grocery store, picked up an orange for under a dollar, and and it occurred to me, kind of leaving the grocery store, how phenomenal it is that we live in a time where, in the middle of winter in Nova Scotia. I can produce an orange almost magically for under a dollar. And, yeah. and to know that the, the, the systems, the logistics, the technology that's in place to facilitate that it, it is just incredible. To even have an inkling into how com- complex that all is down to when I was able to pay for the orange with my watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling how, you know, for all the things that we see as engineers uh, that, that are problems, things that don't work, things that you're, you're struggling to get going. The, the, the systems that do work and are interconnected is, is just mind boggling to me. And it really does help me appreciate the, the world we live in. I totally agree with you. I also think about, you know, uh, everything. So, you know, it seems so sensitive. And when you know how, as an engineer, how things all work, you almost wonder like, man, how, how are we uh, still keeping things running? <laughs> yeah, you know? how, do, how do we pull this off? This is yes. just, it's amazing. How do we yeah. pull this off when it could go so bad? So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have appreciated everything. Uh, engineering has opened up my eyes to the world around me and how things work and how far we have come even as a society hmm. and developing things and the complexity of it all is, is just really neat and fascinating. So uh, good thoughts on that. Um, 
Pat, this has been fun. I appreciate you doing this. I'm wondering, um, could you give us a reminder of your website and if there's any other tools or resources you'd recommend to our audience? Yeah, you bet. Uh, the website is engineeringandleadership.com. And you can learn all about my work. I, I, I write uh, articles. I've got a podcast, uh, quite a bit of free material on there. And then if you're looking to go deeper with uh, coaching, consulting, training, anything like that, you can learn all that on the website. Uh, but I do have a bit of a, a freebie for the folks who are listening. Uh, I've got a book that I wrote uh, a, a while back, an ebook uh, called Engineering Leadership 101. And it's for engineers at doesn't matter where you are in your career, whether you're in the early stages or you're already a leader, it doesn't really matter what industry you're in. The the idea is that it provides kind of concrete, pragmatic, practical tools that you can use to improve yourself as a leader. And people can download that at engineeringandleadership.com slash leadership 101. Oh, I love it. Well, this has been really fun. Um, what is there a best way to connect with you, Pat? Is yeah, there, I'm, uh, if people have questions or want to follow up. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a contact page for the website, but uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can find me at uh, LinkedIn slash in slash Patrick Suite. Um, also, also on Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay, well, this has been a really engaging conversation. I really appreciate your thoughts on leadership, on management. Uh, helping other engineers get to where they want to go if they want to go to leadership path. So appreciate you jumping on and doing this with me, Pat. Thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. All right. See ya. Bye.